God designed all of us for relationships, where people are investing in the lives of others. Discipleship works best within life-on-life -life engagement. Modeling what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Follow me as I follow Christ. I have often said that I would be a much more affected, effective pastor, communicator, preacher, if I had a British accent. <laughs> Just love British accents. We are starting a brand new series today that will uh, lead us all the way through the end of August, the series called Disciples Making Disciples. And if you're uh, new to faith or you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, um, you're like disciple. That sounds very churchy, very, you know, Christianese. Well, it's from the Bible, but written in the original language of Greek, it simply means a follower. A follower making followers. In fact, we do this all the time. You do this in your life. You, you like something. You believe in something. You're excited about something. You tell others about it. And like, you really should go see that movie. You really should see that movie. It's awesome. Or this, this whole series, you know, this whole, whole series of movies. What? You have, you have not, oh, my, what is wrong with you? You have to go watch this. Or this new restaurant in town. Oh, man, you have to go. You have to go. See, things that we like, we want others to like. Things that we enjoy, we want others to enjoy. And we, we share, we encourage, we... Uh, enthusiastically, you know, reference them and, and whether it's, you know, woodworking or fishing or shopping or essential oils or motorcycles. I mean, it's like you love it. You want others to get involved with it too. I have discipled my daughters. Now I'm working on my grandkids. Here's a picture of my discipleship. We, you will like the Mariners. All right, you will be warrior fans. Out of my three daughters, two of them are 49er fans. One of them is still not saved. She's a cowboy fan because um, my wife discipled her on the cowboys. And uh, now I'm working on my grandkids. Like George Kittle is the greatest tight end playing football today. Even taught her the Kittle move on third down. We're not talking about this in this series. Some of you are like, oh, thank the Lord, I have to find another church. Um, we are talking about if you're a follower of Jesus, God wants you to make other followers of Jesus. What God has blessed you with, given you with, saved you from, you need to share that with others. If you're taking notes, the best discipleship out there, the best discipleship takes place in the context of relationships. Takes, takes be, best discipleship is really takes place in the context of relationship. You know them, they know you. And with that, discipleship is intentional. Intentional. It is strategic. It is on purpose. With eyes to see, eyes to see, God has put you in my life. That God wants me to invest in you, so therefore I make an effort to invest. Why? Because it means so much to me, and it's way more important than a really good restaurant or a cool movie series or whatever you could purchase. Followers making other followers. Now, here's the problem, is that for a long time, for far too long, many people who claim to be followers of Jesus believe that this whole thing of discipleship making 
That's the church's job. Barry, that's what we pay you and the other pastors to do. Go for it. Oh, no. When Jesus, before he left, he went back to heaven, he gave what is called the Great Commission. He gave it to followers. The church started later. He gave it to followers. You're a follower of me? Go and make other followers. God has strategically put people in your life, in your home, at your place of work, in your friendship circles, on your block, in your office, it's not an accident. Disciples make disciples. The first place this start, should start is in the home. Here's, I'm gonna show you one of my favorite pictures right now in my life, right now. It's my son-in-law, Luke, praying in the presence of my granddaughter, Callie. If you're up close, you can see her, her, her eyes are just so focused on her daddy. It's like, what is going on here? Now, this was like a year ago, and at uh, Kaylee's wedding, you know, we had an Airbnb, and we had the kids over, and, and all this sort of stuff, and it was time to pray, and it's like, I, I, I'm going to pray, and we say, let's pray, she's like, ready, and when it says in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Parents, discipleship starts in your home, not in children's church, not in Sunday school. Well, we'll just wait and let Pastor TJ take care and disciple my teenager. Parents, if you're a follower of Jesus, discipleship starts at home. Intentionally, with eyes to see, effort to invest. Siblings can disciple siblings. I was 16, approaching 17 years old, and uh, there's, you know, seven of us kids, Bonnie, Barry, Becky, Bobby, Brendan, Bradley, and <clears throat> dog, Boom Boom, who was blind, um, Banderas, we love bees, my parents love bees, and so my mom came to me and said, have you noticed your brother Bobby? And I'm like, yes, yes, he's seven years younger than me, and my mom had eyes that, to see that I did not see. I saw Bobby as a irritant. You know, he was a pest. He was always following me around. And I would get in my, my Pontiac Firebird and I get in, he runs outside. Barry, where are you going? I'm going to 7-Eleven. Can I come? No, shut up. You know, he walked back to the house. You know, I go somewhere else. Barry, where are you going? I got to go to the store for mom. Can I come? Literally one time I'm walking upstairs in the hallway upstairs and I open the bathroom door. He relieves his room, runs up to me and goes, Barry, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the bathroom. He goes, can I come? <laughs> At that point he was teasing. So my mom was saying, have you noticed your brother? And I'm like, yeah, he's an irritant. She goes, Barry, you have an opportunity. He looks up to you. He likes your music. He even tries to walk like you. You have an opportunity to invest into his life and be a positive role model. I never saw it. Thankfully, I'm so thankful now, I took the challenge. I took the challenge. So next time I got in my car, I'm like, hey, Bob, you want to come with me? Yes! Which led to conversations about God, Jesus, girls when he was in high school. My father passed away. Now we're talking about a, a girl in college, engagement, marriage, 
parenting. And I'm so glad today because Bobby's one of my best friends. Leads a large men's Bible study in Arizona. He's still calling me. Just two weeks ago, hey, Barry, um, can you tell me more about the Holy Spirit? I'm like, I just finished my notes. So we had that relationship. I would have missed out on so much blessings. My mom had the eyes to see, and she, she, she encouraged me to see as well. Grandparents with grandkids. Deuteronomy 5 is not, just not for parents. It's for grandparents also. And do you have the eyes to see and, and the, the intentional focus to invest in your grandchildren? Parenting, a grandparenting uh, our grandkids is not just fill them full of sugar and turn, return them back to mom and dad as payback. It's to invest in them and share. Friend to friend. It's powerful. It's awesome. It's not the church's responsibility, pastor's responsibility. That's, that's some of the things that we do. We provide resources. We provide classes to help you to know how you are to follow Jesus so that you can help someone else. Not to be a sponge. And churches like, feed me, pastor. Oh, feed me, feed me, feed me. Because if you just take in, you become a stinky sponge. You need to give back out. Give back out. So from today through the end of August, we're going to talk about how to be a disciple who makes other disciples with the relationships that God has strategically placed in your life. Now, what we're talking about today is so important. If you got, first, you've got to have this. You've got to do this. You've got to model this and then invest it. But what we're going to talk about today is so important that sets up everything else we're going to talk about this summer. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to John 14. If you have a copy of God's Word or a Bible app, John 14. This is so important because if you get this, what we're talking about today, it makes everything else we're going to talk about easier. It's going to be a win. You're going to be able to do it if you do what we're talking about today. If you don't, if you don't apply this, you don't get this today Everything we're going to talk about is going to seem hard, laborsome, ugh. but I get this is so important. What, what is this? We are talking about how to live a spirit-filled Christian life, a spirit-filled Christian life, otherwise known as a victorious Christian life, a victorious Christian life. You can't have a victorious Christian life if you're not spirit-filled. Now, what does victorious mean? Does it mean you don't have any more problems? No. In your problems, you're victorious because of the Spirit of God. In your conflicts, you're victorious. In your, I'm so upset, you can have the right response and be victorious in your response because of the Spirit of God. In all areas of your life, temptation, struggles, battle with sin, you can be victorious if you have a spirit-filled Christian life. Now, early in John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, gathers them around and says, all right, by the way, I'm leaving. <laughs> and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, I'm going to prepare a place for you for where I go, you'll once, you know, then you'll come, come be with where I'm at. And then he tells about I'm the way, the truth, and the life, all this sort of stuff. But when he says, I'm going to leave you, that just locked their disciple brains up. Most of them are older teenagers, except Peter. And they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They really didn't hear much of what he was saying. Let's pick up what he, what he said. Chapter 14, verse 16. 
Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Here's the name, the Spirit of Truth. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Other places he's called the Spirit of Christ. All right, the Comforter, uh, the Convictor, the Illuminator of God's Word. But he says the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him or they will come to know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I love this next phrase. I will not leave you as orphans. Yes, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you by yourself. You will will always have me with you because of the spirit that I'm going to send to you. Jump over to chapter 16. This is the same conversation that later on that night, chapter 16, uh, verse 7, he says, for very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin Same thing, prove the world to be wrong about righteousness, prove the world to be wrong about judgment. Uh, But he says about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness or right living because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world, that's Satan, now stands condemned. He's, he's, He's on his way to hell. Verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Meaning, you guys are already overwhelmed by what I'm telling you. But, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. I think it's powerful that Jesus specifically mentions this name, among others, about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth will be with you forever. The spirit of truth will, will show you in these areas, show the world in these areas. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Just think about our society today. We need more than ever a clear and accurate understanding of truth because we have a society that everybody's like, well, I'm going to make up my own truth and force you to believe my truth. And there's there's chaos all over the place because there's no absolute truth in our culture anymore. The spirit of God, if you you have a relationship with Jesus, you trusted Jesus, at salvation you're given the Holy Spirit. You have the spirit of truth there to give you accurate understanding of that's a sin. That's not me at times, that's not anybody else with the Holy Spirit will tell us, that's, that's sin. The truth about it. He loves us enough to tell us the truth. About righteousness simply means right living. How do I live right according to God? Holy Spirit will tell you the truth about that. About judgment. This is right. This is wrong. We need this more than ever. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you have access daily, every moment of your day to the Spirit of truth that Jesus promised. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm gonna tell you the central point and then explain it as I, as I move forward. Living a victorious Christian life requires us to untie and raise the sails of the Holy Spirit daily. Don't miss that last part, daily. I, I do it multiple times a day. 
You, you cannot be victorious in this Christian, as a Christian in this crazy world unless you are spirit-filled and you have to untie and raise the sails of the Holy Spirit daily, often. Now, the Holy Spirit, we talked about this briefly a couple weeks ago, simply means in the original Greek language, it means wind, breath. Now, you can't see wind or breath. You can, you can see the effects of it and smell bad breath, but you don't see it. You see the effects of it. Let's focus on wind. We can feel when wind hits our face. We can see the effects of wind when, oh, the trees are moving. Leaves are falling. Falling. All right? We can see the effects of truth. Now, let's take the sailboat analogy I'm going to work on today. The sailboat. How does a sailboat move? Well, you have to raise the sails, turn it into the wind. So the wind's coming this way, turn into the wind, and the wind will make it move. It's not rocket science, but it's truth. That's how it becomes a sailboat. Now, true sailboats don't have a button and the engine fires up, don't have an ignition to turn. You have to untie the sails, unfurl the sails, and then the wind will catch it and then it will move. God is always moving. God is always at work. Without the Spirit of God, I am dead in the water. Without the Spirit of God, I won't know what to preach on. Then it, you don't want me to say what I want to say. I'll come back to that later in the message. I'm desperate and in need of the Spirit of God. And because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, not because I'm a pastor, because I trusted in Jesus that he died, was buried, and rose again, like we talked about last week, I have the access to the Holy Spirit and all of his power. Now let me show you a picture of a, uh, a sailboat where the, the sails are tied up. They're just tied up. Now if you look closely at this picture, if you can see the picture, the, the, the water is starting to move, meaning the wind is blowing. But it's not going to go anywhere. Now if you pull the anchor right here and just let her go, guess what this, this sailboat will do? It'll have some movement, just kind of bobbing around, directionless though. And it's, it's, there is some movement. This is descriptive of many, many, many believers in Jesus Christ where they're not seeing God work in their life and they're, 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 there's a little bit of movement now and then, but they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not reaping the full benefit of the Holy Spirit in their life. Now, the next picture is when the sails, sails, I'm sorry, are raised and unfurled. Now look at the contrast, man. Now, buckle up. All right, buckle up. It is catching the wind. It is going. It's going fast. Right, hold on. Hold on. That's what it's like to have a spirit-filled life. Spirit-filled life. Now, the indwelling of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit are mentioned in Scripture. Let me explain the two. First of all, here's the passages. There's others. Let me just show you these two. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is telling them, don't you know, believers in Corinth, don't you know that God's Spirit dwells in you just as Jesus said, I'm going to give you a Spirit and He will be in you, all right, the rest of your days on this earth? That's what he's talking about. This happens at salvation, you're not a child of God until you say yes to Jesus, what he did by faith, and you have the same promise. You have the same Holy Spirit, boom, at salvation. 
But then a little bit later, and this is other places too, we are commanded as followers of Jesus to be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that the same thing? No, 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 no. Being indwelt by the Holy Spirit comes at salvation, all right, and it's his presence. If you're taking notes, at salvation, when you place your faith in Jesus, you get all the Holy Spirit to do and dwell in you. You get all the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean he gets all of you. There's a process here. So salvation, instantaneous. You get all the Holy Spirit. You don't have to pray for more. Like, I got 67% of the Holy Spirit, God. Uh, can you upgrade me? No, 100%. He indwells with you. His presence is with you, just as Jesus promised. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And up to this very excuse me, moments, the promise of Jesus still is true because his spirit is indwelling in me. The presence of the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. Now, the filling of the Holy Spirit is different. Now it's the experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. But his power must be asked for. We have to surrender and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Lead me, guide me. And when we ask, we surrender and ask for the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do, he shows up. All of a sudden, now there's not a physical win, but also now he is gonna provide direction. He's gonna provide clarity. He's gonna provide the next step to take. He's gonna provide warning. Like, no, 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 don't go that direction. Go this direction. Now you're tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. That you have power to respond the right way when you're upset. You have the power to, to uh, the Holy Spirit to give direction. Because we have questions all the time. Now, here's the two contrasts. And I've been guilty of this. We are in our lifeboat. And we're like, okay, where do I want to go? I, I think I want to go this way. This is the job that I, I want. So our sails are tied, and we, we're like, okay, let me just paddle. Let me paddle. Let me paddle hard. I'm exhausted because I'm going to go this way. And you're exhausted. Then you get there, and you're like, oh, this is a horrible fit. I hate this job. Then we're like, God, I can't believe you allowed me to have this job. Holy Spirit was like, you never asked for my help. You got there on your own. <gasps> I think I want to date her. <laughs> you know, like this, never once do we ask, should, should I pursue this or not? Trust me, teenagers, the Holy Spirit's inside going, please, please ask, 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 ask. I want to help you. I want to save your heart from pain. Do I take this job? Do I do this? Do I do that? We, we do it on our own. We usually get to a destination we have chosen and there's pain, there's disappointment. There's like, oh, this is, this is horrible. When we had access to the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us, his wind power, his Holy Spirit power, if we ask and surrender to the Spirit. Now here's the problem. As human beings, we wrestle over control. Over control. Who's going to win? Paul breaks this down in Romans chapter 8. So I'm going to walk us through this. Here's, he's going to break this down. He, he said this. 
those who live, he's talking to believers, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Now, the flesh is referring to this, our human body, our, our natural desires. By, this is what I want to do. This is what job I want to have. This is who I want to pursue and marry. I want this. I want this. We have, all of us have desires. And if we just tap into what we want, we'll get our mind is set. This is what I want. Then we ask God and bless that. I've tried that before. It never works. God, I'm going this direction. Please bless. Because God loves me and the spirit of God loves me. He's like, I'm not answering that question. No way. Because I know when you get at that job, I know the office environment. I know who your cubicle mate's going to be. And I'm trying to protect you from that crazy person. Don't point any fingers if they go to church here. I don't want you in that relationship. Oh, no, you, you don't know the baggage. I know all the baggage. You don't need that. We never ask. So if we do what we want to do, guess what? God will let us. And we will make stupid decisions all the time. Why? Because we're not God. We're not sovereign. We're not all-knowing. And we have power to tap into a divine direction. It's called the Holy Spirit. So here's the contrast. The next verse says this. In contrast to this, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. God, I I want what you want because you know a lot more than me. And I want, my mind is set, I want to please the Spirit of God. I want to please the Spirit of God. So lead me, guide me, help me. Every time the Holy Spirit's going to do it. Sometimes he whispers. Sometimes he's screaming at us like, "Uh, hello. He'll use different things. But if my mind is set, I'm... Every time I go off on my own, I make a mess of things. God, I want what you want. The Spirit of God will lead us and direct us. Now, the third verse shows us the results. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is Opposite of death. It's not only life, but peace. Now, I can, and you t- can too, just go off in the flesh, do what our, what our flesh desires to do, and it's against God's word and God's will, and we can actually end up killing ourselves physically. But death doesn't mean just physical death. Death means separation. We are separated from the blessings of God when we go off in the flesh. It's death to God's blessings. It's death when I just respond the way I feel like responding, usually death of relationships, death of respect, death of integrity, death of a testimony. But if I am following after the Spirit, there's life and peace. See, I first understood this whole, this whole concept of leaning into the Spirit of God when I was 17 years old. Going up, going up, we'll be turning 18 in a few months. And, and the whole pressure of where am I going to go to college? Where am I going to go to college? And all my friends were freaking out. And then I had someone in my life, 
I think it was my youth pastor, Von Ohm, who said, you should probably ask God what he would want. And it was like, oh, yeah. And so I started thinking, it's like, I don't know, I don't know what's one to go to. I should ask God. So I started asking God, okay, God, I don't know where I should go. You lead me. You guide me. And make, make it obvious. Now, I've now added to that prayer, make it obvious because I'm a guy and I could talk myself into or out of anything. And all of us have a multiple PhD of doing that. So I did. We were in a basketball tournament in Southern California. There was a Christian university down there. Went and visited. And I was praying, 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 God, is this what you want, what you want? Then the coach wants to offer me a basketball scholarship. And I was like, okay, maybe this is from God's will. But the whole time I was down there for that tournament, I didn't have any peace. It was just like, uh, I was like, I can maybe see myself here. It's closer to the beach, California. Like, uh, God, it had no peace at all. And I drove back on the bus back to San Jose. And I was like, that was weird. Our senior trip um, that year was to fly from the, the West Coast to uh, D.C. and do, do D.C. thing. And then my sister Bonnie was at Liberty University. About, it was a $100 flight. And I, I said, you know what, since I'm this close, might as well go see it. And I wasn't going to see my, my, bro, my sister Bonnie, though I love Bonnie. We weren't that close. Um, so I flew just to check it out. Within 15 minutes of walking on that campus, still emotional the spirit of God because I was asking said this is where I want you I had no idea that he was going to bring a California girl from Long Beach and cross our paths I had no idea why because I'm not God and I knew and it brought life and it brought peace and every time I went off in my flesh bad things happened Moved back here in 20, uh, 2005 and everyone's flipping houses and making money and I'm thinking, I need to provide for my daughters for college. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to fix it. And Ashley was in like middle school and I got the younger girls and so I'm going to take care of the needs and the future of my, my daughters. Never asked God. Never asked his blessing. I talked to Candy about it and she was like, I, you know, I don't... Mm. And I just blew past her and like, oh, I'm being a good provider and you know, I'm gonna take some equity and I'm gonna I'm not gonna bury that those talents in the ground and I'm gonna multiply them and stuff. Never once asked God. And I d- ignored the caution of my wife. What an idiot. And I went and built built the house and everything went wrong. And then two thousand eight crashed. I lost tens of thousands. There was death of my money separated because of my stubbornness because I went off in the flesh and asked God to bless while I'm paddling like going against the current going against God God the Holy Spirit was like if you want to be an idiot go right ahead try so hard. I got to follow the spirit, follow the spirit, because I know what, I don't know about you, I want life and peace. The peace of God that passes understanding, the peace in the middle of a storm, peace when you're, you're in, everything's crazy, like God's just like, just take the next step, take the next step. And every time I follow after God, he blesses. For 14 years as a youth pastor, I, I taught 
And I said what I wanted to say using God's word. God still blessed his word. Students were saved, baptized, had a bunch of kids and went on to the ministry. I mean, on the surface, there was a lot of fruit, and it was fruit. But I'm in the middle of China in 2001, visiting my, a bunch of students on our missions trip there. And I had a book, Fresh Power, from Jim Cimbala, and God broke me. I'm in the middle of my floor by myself in my apartment in the middle of China. And God was like, for 14 years, you've been saying what you wanted to say, using my word. Why don't you ask me what I want you to say? And I confessed. And I went back saying, God, and from that week till this week, in my preparation, I'm like, God, I'm just the messenger. What do you want me to say? Direct me even in the, con- in the text and in the context, what do you want me to focus on? Because you know who's here. You know what they need to hear. Not me. And from that August of t- 2001 till today, I'm operating in not Barry's power, but in the Spirit's power. Trust me, it's a vast difference. Living a victorious Christian life requires us to uh, untie and and raise ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Let me explain what that is. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't sense God moving my life. Or I used to in the past, but it's been a long time. Guess what? The wind is not the problem. Check the sails. The wind is not the problem. Holy Spirit is not the problem. Untie the sails. What does that mean? Untying the sails means I need to confess sin. There's sin in my life. God's not going to bless with stuff I, I, I got un- unconfessed. Isaiah 59, your iniquities, your sin, have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. He won't hear my prayers. Confess sins. That's untying the sails. Hebrews chapter 1, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us so that we can run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and then to clean us up from all unrighteousness. Now, the power of God is ready to be used. But that's just untying the sail. What is raising the sails? What is that? It's obedience. God always starts with obedience. God's not going to bless until we obey. God's not going to give direction in our life until we obey. We, we confess sin, then we obey. And when we begin to obey and we raise those sails, then the Holy Spirit then moves. And also, Whoa! God's working in my life! Holy Spirit's like, been here the whole time. Just waiting for you. Just waiting for you. God always starts with obedience. The first step of obedience, after we trust in Christ, God's word says, be baptized. It's not for salvation. It's for God's blessing and, and to go public. That I've trusted in Jesus and I put my faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. Every time we have a baptism Sunday, People come, and a lot of times they, 
they've been they've been safe for a while, and for whatever reason, the fear of man, or oh, I'm so scared, whatever. And then they step forward in obedience, and they're like, "Man, God's really moving in my life." Uh huh. Yeah, that's how the Holy Spirit works. Our next baptism Sunday is the end of August. Go to our website, find event page, scroll down, register, and obey, and watch God move in your life. Move in your life. Growing in your faith. You've got to take steps to, how do I follow Jesus? Well, I've got to learn so that I can follow Jesus. Uh, I know there's women's studies starting soon for summer, but most of our, you know, resources, discipleship resources and classes start in September. You can get into a life group and you get into another group of men, women, teenagers, whatever. Do it. I'm just not growing in my life. Well, what are you doing? Nothing. Obedience. When you start growing your faith, you start seeing God work in your life. Now there's a touchy one. Worshiping God with your resources financially. It's in Scripture, all through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. You either tithe or give generously. You can pick, but when you start not, not tipping God, here's 20 bucks, I'll be good, I'll back, be back in three months. No, it's like every time I receive a paycheck, I'm going to worship God with my finances. Every single time people say, I'm going to do it by faith. I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. They step out in faith and they obey. And every time they go, I see God working in my life. Never seen it with Holy Spirit's like, been here the whole time. I want you to see God move. Living a victorious Christian life is not something that you know you can never get there. No, it's possible. Spirit-filled life. The Holy Spirit, His presence is with you at salvation. Start experiencing His power. His power to bless you to give you guidance and protection and warning and to respond under emotions in crisis the way Jesus would want you to respond. And then we have the fruit of the Spirit, meaning love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. All those because you're following the Spirit of God in every area of your life. Is it easy? No. But you have the power of God leading you, guiding you, protecting you, blessing you. The Holy Spirit, that power is waiting for you to tap into it. What a blessing. Every believer is called to be a disciple. Who has God placed in your life, starting with your home, including your siblings? Who has God placed in your life, in your, in your life, in your locker room, in your boardroom, in, in your place of work, in your neighborhood? God always, best discipleship. Starts with relationships. Then I'm going to be intentional. Eyes to see. Effort to invest. That is a faith. A spirit-filled life is a faith. People are going to go, how come your prayer requests get answered and mine don't? How come life is crazy and you're calm? It's because of the Spirit of God. That's a faith worth following. Again, if, we, if you don't get this, what we're going to talk about next week, you're right. I can't do that. Right, you can't. But with the Spirit of God, oh yeah, oh yeah, win, 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 win in your life. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for in your absence, you have given us the gift of the Spirit of God at salvation. And he's with us until heaven. 
And in this life, he gives us guidance and protection and blessing and wisdom and comfort. Lord, I pray that you would help people to say, I got unconfessed sin I need to deal with. And I got areas that, of disobedience, which is sin. And I pray that people begin to see the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. And it would be a faith others would want to follow. We pray all this. I need your help, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.